Welcome to Space Forum B Podcast. My name is Connor Gillen. And I'm Connor Flannery. This is our 51st official episode. This is our first episode since the All-Star break. Yeah. and It's good to be back. It's definitely good to be back. Can't wait to, to talk some NBA. Yeah. So we're sort of just, I guess, recapping a little bit of what's been going on in the league since then. Especially, you know, there, there's been some big news headline, headlines, but as we get closer to the playoffs, we're starting to think about which of the teams that's been so good in the regular season is going to be able to continue that in the in the playoffs. And so the, the obvious one that comes to mind for us is the Bucks. They just made news by, I think, being the fastest team ever to clinch the playoffs. Ever. And to be fair, that's kind of a, res- a result of the bottom seeds and the mm-hmm. people who are just outside the playoffs being really bad in the East. Like, the East is... When, has like this dipole of, of, <laughs> of like of six teams being super good, and then the remaining. The drop math, off from the six seed nine, to the seven seed yeah. is thirty five wins to twenty seven wins. Yeah. So you end go. up with the bottom three teams having having seventeen, seventeen, and eighteen wins. Whereas usually the nine seed is like a five hundred win percentage. Twenty one and thirty seven Wizards. Yeah, exactly. Like, so it's not good. Th- that's why the Bucks clinch it so early because mm-hmm. the nine seed is so bad that like. I bet, like, this is going to be the fast ever that, like, a six seed clinches the playoffs. It could be. something like that. But, yeah. But, anyway, the Bucks are on pace for 70 wins. Um, and, and they're very clearly having one of the best regular seasons ever. Clearly the best regular season in the league today. But, and not only are they, are they just, like, steamrolling every team they face, but they're having another, they're probably going to be having the MVP for the second year in a row. Highest point differential per game. In the league, and they're like, absolutely well, incredible. One of the highest in history. This is not, this is this shouldn't be news to anybody listening to this podcast. But the Bucks are having an incredible year. But sort of the question that we're phrasing for this like first segment is: Are the Bucks going to run away with the East in the playoffs? They are in the regular season, but like like basically this entire regular season, they've barely been touched. It's like they're in a league of their own, and it's like. A competition for the two through five seeds, whereas it's like who everybody's competing. So like, when do you have to face the Bucks last? Yeah. Like that's the competition, right? Yeah. So it's like, is that how it's going to work in the playoffs? Are the are the Bucks going to continue to be untouched, or are there going to be teams that can legitimately take this team to seven games, can really give them a scare, or like work them so that after so that the Lakers are going to be playing the Clippers, they're going to be playing the Rockets, they're going to be playing this and that. Whereas the Bucks are going to be like on fresh legs, and so know? in general, there there is a difference between regular season basketball and playoff basketball. Of course, in playoff basketball, you have teams playing harder. You have teams game planning specifically for you because they play you seven nights in a row, mm-hmm. depending on how long the series is. You have just more like coaching changes, more on the fly, higher stakes. Overall, just teams playing harder on both ends. Similarly, because teams are playing harder on both ends. There's better defense, so there are more times where you just have to make a tough shot, because, like that's that's where in general the value of superstar players goes up. Superstar players who can, like Kawhi Leonard, who can just you can play great defense and he's still hitting that fall away three. So, of course. so I mean, that's that's what separates the superstars is like yeah the guys who are going to be able to in the playoffs where all attention is on yeah. them still be able to come up big. So. As a, it's kind of an axiom that superstar players who can make shots, their value goes up in the playoffs. Mm. Now applying this to the Bucks, they do have one of the superstar players. They have Giannis. However, he might be the biggest superstar that doesn't have that like shot making ability. 
when we're talking about like hitting contested mid-range, hitting contested threes, kind of creating his own shot if the paint is packed. And you're right, which is I, I would say that out of out of the superstars in this league, out of like pretty much like the MVPs in the last whatever X years, like Giannis has one pretty glaring weakness that teams will look to attack. And honestly, like I'm not even sure that it, it like in the regular season it does not matter. Team people are like. Giannis is so good, but imagine if he, if he like develops a three-pointer. It doesn't matter. He's like arguably the best player in the league without it. It could matter when they go up against the 76ers, who have Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, Al Horford, and their entire game plan is don't let Giannis get in the paint. We're not, we're not sure that that's the route they will go, right? Some teams um, elect to like let Giannis do whatever he wants and let nobody else take a three. There's I, What I mean to say is that the... Giannis's lack of a three-point jump shot, and, and and that is that is improved this year, by the way. As in now he can hit them. You can't just leave him wide open. You can't give him the Ben Simmons treatment. That is something that the that other teams will try to attack. And unlike the Kawhi Leonard's of the world that you just mentioned, he isn't going to be able to punish that as consistently. Yeah, I agree. The, I, the way that you defend him is more clear. Exactly, and it also it brings up to question if Giannis can't do that. Where does the kind of closing ability, I guess, or the shot making from outside and the creating your own shot ability come from? And we've seen past years, it kind of just falls onto the shoulders of Chris Middleton. And if and if Chris and if Chris Middleton is able to do that, they win. And if exactly. he's not, then they don't. But like, I don't like. I'm not sure the, I can trust Chris Middleton exactly, to do that. It's a in, little bit the scary. In thing. the in the Raptors series when they lost to the Raptors last year, Chris Middleton, he was like the third best player on the Bucks. Mm-hmm. Like Brogdon, who like has a better shot making ability in terms of just like efficiency and shooting and whatever, he was their second best player. Like, yeah, I mean, <coughs> really, what it's going to come down to is that that teams really have two have two options when defending the Bucks, and and kind of the Bucks are so good that you just kind of have to pick your poison, which is that either you're going to take away everything Giannis does, and then just let people shoot from three. You're going to force Chris Middleton to come up big and be that guy. If you don't want to take that risk that they light you up from three, you say, okay, we're going to let Giannis have whatever he ha- whatever he wants. We're going to put one guy on Giannis. We're going to put our best defender on Giannis, right? And we're just going to leave him one-on-one and let him attack the paint. And if he goes and scores, you know, 75% of the time on, a, like, two-pointers, we think we can beat that by hitting threes by playing our normal offense, right? And we're just going to take away everything else by playing this rotating, switching defense and getting letting no threes up. Honestly, we're going to take away Chris Middleton. We're going to take away Malcolm Brogdon, whatever else. It's the best problem in the league to have. Exactly. It's okay. Exactly. Like, well, like they're going to try to stop us by trying to contain Giannis. Who's <laughs> You're trying to contain the- one of their two. It's literally Giannis or the rest of the team, which <laughs> is like it is an impossible situation for most teams to guard. But like that's what makes the Bucks so good and so scary for other teams in the Eastern Conference, and especially. Honestly, what they kind of tried to do last year is they tried to make, they they forced Giannis to be a playmaker. They forced mm-hmm. him to make plays. So so where uh, he would be driving to the rim, and all of a sudden you force him to make that kind of semi semi awkward pass out onto the perimeter. And um, personally, I think he's improved on this. His assist numbers are. A bit more consistent, even if they don't go up, he's just playing less minutes and keeping the same assist numbers. He has certainly developed into a into a confident playmaker and a competent playmaker. Yes, but at the same time, well he's said. no LeBron James. So yeah, right. Exactly. And well so, said. so if you're gonna like, 
you're, I don't think that the Bucks are scared for Giannis to have to make a play, right? As in, if teams throw everything they've got at Giannis, Mike Budenholzer will be okay with Giannis, like, finding the rest of the team. But at the same time, it's not an ideal situation. But I, I, I don't, I'm not sure that I'm that scared about that. Is like, I, like you said, I think Giannis continues to improve every single year. I think he's gotten a little bit better at that. And so, well, I don't think this Bucks roster is really all that much different than last year. I think that Giannis has gotten better in ways that, like, has gotten a lot better in ways that people might not even realize. As in, like, sure, his numbers are up, but I think across the board, Giannis continues to be a better player, which is, by the way, like, unbelievable for Ridiculous. last year's MVP. He's, but, he's, he's getting the MVP again. He can, he no question. He continues to be, like, a way more versatile, way smarter defender. He continues to be, like you said, better playmaker, be able to get his teammates involved a little bit better. He continues to attack the basket stronger, put on muscle, like, and he has the highest per of all time right like, now. I, I said in the chat yesterday, I feel like it's going under the radar that for per, like the mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's not a perfect stat, but it's the number one metric for just like overall how good a basketball player is. He hit this season by Giannis, highest of all time. Uh huh. Like if there like, were a stat to just like measure how effective a player is like top to bottom how to compare players of different positions of different eras like it would probably be per yeah player efficiency rating how efficient are you how effective are you like like for Giannis is having the best per season ever for context that i think the number one was either i think 2012 2013 lebron when he was the best player in the league and arguably the best player the best point in his career Mm -hmm. and i think some of the 95 ish jordan yeah, like th- that's it. <clears throat> the only thing we've seen in recent memory that compares to that for some younger people is the 2015-2016 Steph Curry. I think he's like he was like eighth on the list. Mm. So Giannis it just leapfrogged that. Yeah, and and a bit. I I, I I can't speak for you, but in case I didn't make it entirely clear, I'm not worried about the Bucks falling flat in the playoffs. I think that they are a better team than they were last year. The record shows that. The numbers show that. Like, I just think they're a lot better than they were last year, which is certainly saying something. I think that the top of the East is actually probably a little bit weaker just because it doesn't have Kawhi Leonard. Like, that's a big difference. Yeah. Um, okay. The Sixers probably made a defensive upgrade. They're probably a little bit better. I would argue the East is deeper, though. Like, the Bucks, yes, the Bucks that is are going to be facing a better true. team in the earlier rounds. But the they're going to steamroll whoever they play in the first round because they're going to be playing the eight seed. Yeah. Whoever they play in the second seed, the fourth seed, as in that could end up being the Miami Heat. Or it's going to be whoever wins the four versus five game, which is, by the way, going to be a very good matchup because it's probably going to be, at this point, it would be a Heat or the 76ers, I'm pretty sure. Yes. So they'd probably be playing the winner of Heat versus 76ers. I think they would win either either of those series. And then that would leave them in the Eastern Conference Finals playing, like, the Raptors or the Celtics. I'm I'm pretty comfortable saying that the Bucks were going to win all of those series. Like at this moment, I'm picking the Bucks to make it to the finals. But with the question that I phrased at the beginning of this, which is, are they going to go unscathed? Like, are they going to walk there like freely without like just you know like pushing everybody out of the way as Giannis does? Like, <laughs> no. It, like this is it is going to be it is going to be a challenge. As in, just like, explain why you think that. As in. I, I think that probably even even more so than like the Lakers or, or whoever they're going to face in the finals from the Western Conference, I think that teams like the 76ers, like the Heat, like the Raptors are actually pretty well equipped to guard Giannis. 
the 76ers, we've been over this a ton of time, like like many times, on, even just on this podcast. And I'm sure that all of you have seen that anyway, which is just that, like they have a lot of big defenders. If there was going to be a team that was going to be like the Giannis stoppers, you could make the argument that the 76ers have three of those. <laughs> the Philadelphia now, Giannis stoppers. I would also argue there is no such thing as a Giannis stopper, but <laughs> there you go. The Heat, they have Bam, they have Jimmy. Like that's a that's a very good defensive team. Even Iggy now. Um, so whatever zones, whatever like I'm sure that uh, Eric Spolstra could throw some pretty interesting defensive schemes against Giannis to cope with a pretty pretty tough defensive scheme for him. Um, and then the Raptors, like Pascal Siakam, and and the Raptors are just such a gritty defensive team that we talk about the physicality of Giannis. We talk about the physicality of the playoffs in general. The Raptors are going to buy into that more than any other team, which is just that like they're going to play their hearts out because that is their identity this year. Even without Kawhi Leonard, they've barely fallen off because they want it, they're hungry, and they just play hard, and they have this unified team identity, which fits guarding Giannis perfectly. I would argue that I, I personally do think, and I'll, I'll get to this, I do think that the Bucks will kind of walk through the East. Mm. Um, okay. Just because they're that good. I'll, I'll explain it a bit more. I'll explain it a bit more later. But to your point, I think the most underrated and biggest part of like why the East could give Buck, the Bucks trouble is two things. One, the East coaching roster is stacked. Very especially true. that includes like, Mike Budenholzer, by the way. Yeah, inclu- including. But you have like sometimes he may struggle to have some adjustments. Mm-hmm. But I think Nick Nurse has proven to be an elite coach in two years. Uh, Brad Stevenson, top three, five coach in the league. Same goes for Eric Spolstra of the Miami Heat. Yeah, so, like, first of all, like top three teams by the Bucks: Raptors, uh, Celtics, Heat, all have great coaches. Brett Brett Brown, who's like a slightly above <coughs> a slightly above average coach, would probably be the worst of the top six teams in the East. And <laughs> Nate McMillan's Nate McMillan for the Pacers is a baller too. Yeah. So, like. Either way, that's a good and coaching. When you, when you give those guys seven games in a row yeah. to come up with a defensive yeah. scheme against Giannis. So, like, that's the primary difference just between why aren't they outcoaching Mike mm-hmm. Budenholzer in, which I don't know if they would even do, but outcoaching Mike Budenholzer in, in a regular season game or the playoffs. There's a huge difference. Also, the second thing is, it's more just the thing I noticed, the West has, like, three of the four MVP candidates. They have the shot-making. Like, their their entire conference can kind of be summed up by, like, James Harden, Luca, Devin Booker, kind of just the, kind of like the the step backs, the threes, the just like raw scoring ability. <laughs> you just didn't even mention the Clippers or the Lakers. <laughs> well, no, because like they like defend and stuff. <laughs> no. Okay, I'm not sure I agree with, but, that, with but, that, but okay. But like I don't know. That's just what I think of when I think of the West. Yeah, okay. But when that's, I think of the East, yeah. when I think of the East All Stars, there's more of like the the Demontis Sabonis's, mm. the Bam Adebayo's. Yeah the Pascal Siakam's even. So mm-hmm. I feel like that th- those are more just like less raw offensive talent, but more just like long defensive. Okay. And I guess that caters to guarding Giannis. That's right. just a trend I see across the board. Yeah, I can get on board with that. Yeah. Um, and, and I just sort of realized that like I, I talked about all, I talked all about how different Eastern Conference teams are going to guard the Bucks. I failed to mention that the Bucks are capable of guarding every team in the Eastern Conference. <laughs> the Bucks sure. are an elite defensive team. Like Giannis is has a legitimate case for Defensive Player of the Year this year, as well as MVP. Um, they're one of the better defenses in the league. Like teams are going to have a have an equally tough time scoring on the Bucks, if not a harder time scoring on the Bucks, as the Bucks are going to have scoring on them. For context, I just think that's the way it's going to work out. For context, first in points per game, first in rebounds per game. This is the Bucks. Fifth in assists per game. Eighth in opponents' points per game. 
<laughs> That's ridiculous. ETH in terms of like in, in opponents of the yeah. ETH lowest points per game against the yeah. Bucks, and which that's is... not even including like points per hundred possession, which I think the Bucks play at a faster pace, so that would that number mm-hmm. would be even lower. It's disgusting, bro. It's, yeah, it's, it's it seems filthy how good they've been. I and so so I so I think that we were both we we're both sort of in agreement here, which is that the Bucks are going to win. The, we're, we both think the Bucks are going to win the Eastern Conference. Yeah. Do you think they will have a seven game series? I do not. I do not think so. Do you think it's five, six? Yeah, I, I which do. is the biggest threat to the Bucks? That's a tough question. I think before the before the finals, I don't think it will be the Raptors, which I think a mm. lot of people are saying because okay. they're the two seed. I just think the talent gap is so substantial, and I think that the thing that makes I the Raptors good, the Bucks also have. I think though that you consistently underrate Pascal Siakam. I do <laughs> because I, I don't. Like I don't him, know if you like, like like before this season we we had an argument which was. I, I did not foresee how good the Raptors are right now. I said they would be like the fifth seed or the sixth seed. But I said that Pascal Siakam would be more than capable of being the best offensive player on a team that would be the fifth or sixth seed in the Eastern Conference. And you were like, uh, the Raptors are going to be the ninth seed and Pascal Siakam is like barely a 20 point per game scorer. I did say that. <laughs> yeah, you were like, I just don't have any confidence of Pascal Siakam creating his own shot. So I think that there's a trend here that you tend to underrate Pascal Siakam and how much better he's gotten, not only since last season, but just like how good he is now in general. Um, and also, like, Fred Van Vliet, Kyle Lowry, OG Ananobi, like, Marcus Gasol. Like, I, I just think they're a very good team top to bottom. Um, but you are right that the Bucks are definitely a more talented team than they are. But but don't sleep on the Raptors. I, I do think that the Raptors are, are going to put up a fight if they end up being the team that the Bucks meet in the Eastern Conference Finals, for example. Um, the one last thing I would say is you talk a lot about, like, go-to lineups mm-hmm. in the playoffs. So... A, a lot of just because those lamps are the yeah. ones going to yeah, get yeah. the most minutes. I, I agree. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not criticizing. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think just people in general talk about go to because that that's what it comes down to. Games are going to be closer, so the last five minutes of the game matter more in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So right now, the most common lineup, the starting lineup, and the closing lineup for the Bucks is Eric Bledsoe, Wesley Matthews, Chris Middleton, Giannis, and Brooke Lopez. I just think that lineup, like will match up very well with other teams because they have interior defense with Brooke Lopez and Giannis. They have exterior defense with Giannis, Chris Middleton, Bledsoe, and they're just, they're like destroying teams in the regular season. Wesley they're, Matthews is not who he once was, but is also still uh, a solid honestly, perimeter he, He's defender. revived his career for the Bucks this year. Yeah, I, he, and he just has. that like, like I don't think he's elite anymore. Like there was there was a point where when he was playing on the Trailblazers where he had a case to be like one of the best 3 and D guys in the league. Like, Knocked down and, and just but, a great defender. But, but. I, I was so anti Wesley Matthews last year and the year before, <laughs> which is a weird thing to be anti. Um, <laughs> I, I was not aware. Yeah, but just I thought like he he had some like Tim Hardaway in him, mm, where he okay. would just kind of like be not that. Good, I assume but, you mean Junior. Yeah, Junior, of course. Um, but now he's just like pure three and D, which is good. And they're 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 destroying teams as lineup. It, they're they're almost at a pl- at a plus minus of of positive twenty. Do you know how ridiculous that is? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like their yeah. their offense isn't off the chart. Like per hundred, they're like like hundred nine, which is like like pr- like pretty decent. But like their defense has been insane. Mm. Basically, all of that is to say that when that lineup is on the court, they're 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 at, like they're a juggernaut. Yeah. And 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 death lineup. The playoffs just mean that that play that that lineup is Play- playing more yeah. than ever. Yeah. Um. 
but yeah, I mean that's that's all I got to say about the I about agree. the Buck, which is yep. that like they're a clear favorite to win the Eastern Conference Finals to both of us to make it to the finals. We'll see about the finals once we get there. That's yeah. still and a question mark. Really to me. quickly, no no explanation needed. What team is giving the Bucks more trouble? The the most trouble in the East. I think my answer will be the Celtics if they face them. Mm. Just because shot making ability, defense. That's where I go. I, I was tempted to say the 76ers. I feel like it's the obvious answer. And I yeah. see the point. We'll we'll that get to the 76ers second. later in this episode. Um, I would say that defensively, the 76ers have the most tools to guard the Bucks. I think the 76ers have more question marks at this point than any other team in the league, though. So The most red flags. I might say the Raptors. Really? Okay. Uh, I think that your Celtics pick is good. Um, I'm a little bit scared by the fact they run Daniel Tyson center, but he's held it down this year, and so I, I, I think that you might be right that the Celtics could put up a very good fight. But I, yeah, I'm I, even though the 76ers I think are the have the best defensive potential against the Bucks, I'm scared about their half court offense. Yeah, that's what I'm gonna say. Yeah. All right, but let's move on really quickly to uh, well, we're on the topic of Giannis, but off topic of the Bucks really. James Harden made headlines by talking about well, it was it was really sort of with the All Star draft. Giannis said, you know, James Harden he could he didn't pass the ball. He was a ball hog, right? And then they 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 asked him, well, <laughs> James Harden's still on the board, and Giannis said, I want someone who's going to pass the ball. He sort of he said game. it he said it jokingly, yeah, right? Like very but, very lighthearted. Yeah, but I don't think he really meant it. But that but that's what yeah. he said. Um, and so James Harden then sort of fired back. I, I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but he said something along the lines of, like, what Giannis does takes no skill. I wish I was seven feet tall because all I would have to do is run at the basket and dunk. And <laughs> how, how, do you, how, do you, how do you feel about this? Because your tone suggests that you think you I, don't like James Harden. For I, just, I just think it was a stupid comment. As in, I recognize... I, I, I think that I would agree with James Harden in the situation, which is... The stats will say that you were a lot more likely to make the NBA if you were seven feet tall than if you were six foot six. That's yeah. just how it works. There are a lot fewer seven foot seven players, seven, seven, wow, sorry, just seven foot tall people in the world than there are six foot six people in the world. And there are a lot more six foot six people who would love to be in the NBA than there are seven foot yeah. people who would love to be in the NBA. And so, like, the truth is that you don't have to work as hard and hone your skills as much if you're seven feet tall already because you were given a lot of physical gifts. If you're an American and you are seven feet tall, I think you have like a 17% chance of making the NBA. Which is way higher than it is if you're 6'3 American, yeah. right? Or 6'5 American, yeah. or in the case of James Harden, a 6'6 American. Um, yeah. And so he has a point there, which is that like, there is an advantage to being seven foot tall to being just this like incredibly athletically gifted monster that Giannis is. But for him to just discredit Giannis and say basically that he isn't skilled or that he didn't work as hard as James Harden did, there might be some truth to that, but I think it's incredibly disrespectful because you're you're talking about a guy, we mean we just talked about this earlier in, earlier in this episode, that Giannis has made such huge strides Every year of his career, he's like, if you look at the like, the pictures of when he first came in the league versus where like where he is now, he is in the weight room every single day. He's in the gym every single day, putting up shots, like just getting big. 
working on his craft harder than just about anybody. And so there might be some truth to the idea that you have to be more skilled to be an elite six foot six player like James Harden is than to be an elite seven foot player and like Giannis. Don't you is. think that would result in like having a chip on your shoulder? It hundred percent. And so, so for that reason, I kind of understand what James Harden is saying here. There's some merit to to this idea, but you also are talking about like we just got off talking about how great Giannis is, <laughs> the highest per season ever, and you're like. I wish I had his body. It would be easy. There are a lot of seven-footers out yeah. there who aren't doing anything close to what Giannis is. Yeah, however... There are a lot uh, of seven-footers in the NBA who aren't also, doing anything close to what Giannis is. On the is. other hand, what if James Harden was seven feet tall? <laughs> that would be scary. That would be scary. Right, but but also, Giannis didn't start playing basketball until he was 14 or 16 or whatever it was in Greece, not in America, where there isn't as much of a basketball hub or the path to the NBA is much more difficult and it's much more difficult to be, to be found or to there's less, there's a lot less coaching and and, uh, AAU and high level training programs, things like that there is uh, in, in the States. And so I also think that Giannis had a much tougher path to the NBA than James Harden did without knowing too much about James Harden's backstory. But, uh, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that James Harden, I mean, he went to Arizona State. He was a highly recruited guy coming out of high school. I don't know much about his like high school career, about his middle he, school career. He was seen as that guy. Yeah, exactly. So so I just think that, like, he worked hard from day one. And, and that is not to discredit. Like, like James Harden, he is not, but he is by no means given the same leaping ability, the same speed, the same, like, uh, strength as a lot of other players in the NBA is, and he is still a top five guy in the NBA. He's like he doesn't have that if there lateral is, quickness even exactly for, even for a guard. If there's anybody who's gonna be talking about the skill that it takes, it's uh, James uh, Harden. Yeah, it's I would James argue Harden. James Harden maybe Steph Curry. Maybe Steph Curry. Yeah, like, even Steph Curry is faster than James Harden. He is in that tier, right? Of like yeah. he's in a tier of his own in terms of like how skilled he is, especially offensively. Right? And in in Giannis Antetokounmpo is one of the prime examples of just being just having god-given athleticism but there is a huge difference between like what Giannis is doing right now and just raw ability as in Giannis is so far past in terms of his talent just raw athletic ability I saw I saw an Instagram post that said for every one Giannis there's a hundred Bruno Cavocalos. Dude, I saw, <laughs> I saw that too. Bro, I, I was rolling. I screenshot because I, 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 I wanted to remind myself to say it here. I was rolling, Dude, that bro. Is, that is so awesome. Which is like, it's true. It's a hundred percent true. I, I a thousand percent agree with that. Which is, just, it's just like, it sums it up perfectly. So the reason that I say that I that I'm mad at James Harden a little bit for this, it, part of it is like I, I just like Giannis in general. Like I have a, I have so many great things to say about Giannis. I, I'm going to I'm going to defend him pretty much in any situation. Um, Agreed. But I just think that Giannis, the idea that it's like anybody with Giannis's body could be, you know, like an NBA superstar is just wrong. It takes a very strong will, a very strong work ethic. Um, and, and so and so Giannis, sure, he was born with an incredible advantage. But the things that he has done with that are close to unmatched in the NBA ever. Agreed. Right? Like P- what he's done the last two seasons. PER, going to be back-to-back MVP. That's a club of, like, he is, ten people. Exactly. <laughs> he is going to retire as one of the greatest players of all time on the track that he's on right now. Yeah. Not every seven-footer ever has like can say that, right? It's not just about being seven feet or being able to dunk from, like, near the free-throw line. Like, 
you have to work very hard to get to where Giannis is, and you have to be incredibly skilled. Although there's a lot of talent that Giannis has beyond just being a seven footer who's ripped and can jump high. Shifting gears a little bit, you said that he he took it a bit too seriously. Mm, That James Harden took Giannis's comment a bit too seriously. If you look at like the interview, it, it wasn't he just came out in an interview that like. He, they didn't ask him about it. They, uh, he sat down with Rachel Nicholson, and she was like, "Giannis said this," and mm-hmm. James Harden. Obviously, he could be lying, but James Harden literally said, "Oh, I didn't know that." <laughs> James, really? Yeah. He he was like he's like I, I I don't I don't know what you're talking about, but if he said something like that, if he said like I don't pass or whatever, like how how, how many assists do I average or something like that? He was like. Mm-hmm. And he said, "How much uh, do I average more assisting Kemba Walker?" And Rachel Nicholson was like, "You're tenth. He's thirty sixth." And I was Giannis like, versus Kemba. Or no, no, no. James, James Harden, Harden versus Kemba. Kemba. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, hey, I would do the same yeah. thing if I was James Harden. And then so he, he just he just made a point of saying like, I like I, I work like so hard like mm-hmm. like don't don't say I, that. I'm glad you said that because I took it out of context, which was just that like like you said. I, I just pictured it as like. He usually like, came out and said this as like, yeah, like firing like, back, like, like on Twitter or something. Yeah, yeah no, yeah, they I sat was... down and asked mm, him about okay. it. Okay, yeah. Uh, so in that case, I kind of, I kind of get it. Like, and, and James Harden has every right to defend himself in that because Giannis is wrong to say that James Harden doesn't pass the ball. This is an official reminder to not take things out of context. You hear a lot of things on the internet, not specifically you, yes, just talking my, my to talking to the mic. This is, especially on NBA Twitter, mm-hmm. a lot of things are taken out of context. Yeah. All right, but I think that covers the James Harden skill thing with Giannis. Yeah, um, and, both and sides are fair. Exactly. Honestly. Yeah, um, but let's move on to the 76ers. Okay, so the 76ers, they've been underwhelming this season, to say the least. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. I, I, I picked them, and I think you picked them too, as the second seed, given that they're still close to being the second seed. They're a few games back. But right now they're sitting at the five seed. They've had several ups and downs, and... There are just so many red flags with this team. I... Yeah, that was the that was the word that I used before you started the episode, which is just that we were sitting here looking at advanced stats, right? And like they're like twentieth in three pointers attempted, and like, like it's just like every stat that you look at, it's like, ugh. Yeah. you're like grimace. It's, like what, what's going on? Especially on the offensive end, because on the defensive end they're still phenomenal. Mm-hmm. But just for context, on the offensive end, normal points per game they're twenty second. In points per 100 possessions, I think they're 21st. Um, assists per game, they're high, but three-point attempts, they're low. Pretty much just every offensive stat except for assists, they're very low. Another one is just the fact that they are absolutely atrocious on the road for a team that is supposed to be yeah. the best, they, the best they contender to beat the Bucks. They are 28-2 at home, and they're 9-21 <laughs> on the road. They've lost more than twice as many games as they've won on the road. That's so bad. So bad. And, and if you th- if they're the five seed, they're going to play more road games than home games. They've won thirty percent of their win of their, of their games <laughs> on the road. Thirty percent. Yeah. So if you're playing a playoff series, and even if you're the home team, you're playing three games away minimum. Mm. You're two games away minimum. But so 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 part of the reason that I think that they are like there's a very good chance that they don't even make it out of the first round because right now they're the five seed. If they play the Heat, I so like. I, I keep thinking, or we've talked about all season on this podcast with our friends, whatever. And I assume that's like this is a thing floating around the NBA Twitter world as well. It's just like the 76ers could beat the Bucks because they have so many defensive, like superstars, um, or, or just defensive like lockdown guys, big defenders. 
So if anybody's going to stop you on us, it's them. But there's a gen there's a genuine question in my mind, which is, did they even make it out of the first round against a team like the Heat? <laughs> if they're going to lose probably... Uh, their, uh, their stats would say they would lose two out of those three games, if not three out of those three games on the road in the seven-game series. If, if, they're, if the standing stays they are now, where the Heat has home court advantage because they're the four seed and the, and yeah. the Sixers have the five seed, because... They're, they win they or they win thirty percent of their games on the road, which means that about one third. So they would probably win one of those three. But I bet those nine wins that they have on the road are against pretty bad teams. So I guess I bet if you looked at teams that are like in the playoffs, it's even lower than thirty percent. So chances are they lose two or three of those games on the road to the Heat. Um, or sorry, they, they would play the Heat four times on the road if the Heat. If the Heat had home court advantage, and, and, and three times games. at home, so yeah. if they won three of those, if they if they lost three of those four games, I don't trust them to win all three of the uh, all three like yeah. all four of and, their games, all even, three of their games even, at home and one there. Even home and away aside, this is just such a red flag for a team that, in my opinion, is like a top five team in the league in terms of pure talent. Just mm. on paper, what's there? Yeah. Their and, starting five, just yeah, like you said, on paper, might be the best in the league, period. Yeah, like it's just talent from top to bottom, from combination of size to defense to even scoring. Yeah, individually, yeah. their scoring is incredible. Tobias the Harris, is they're incredibly underrated. Their half court offense yeah. is just stagnant. It's and stagnant. Just to recap, why that's the case? Basically, the 76ers, they have a lot of big bodies, which is good. However. They are out here starting Joel Embiid, who can shoot threes for a center, although it's not really ideal. He's kind of league average. Mm. Sometimes he's hot, sometimes he's cold. They have Ben Simmons. You know the memes. <laughs> <laughs> Man cannot hit a three for his life. And then you have Tobias Harris, who's good. That Now they're just starting Furkan Korkmaz just to get some, just to get any shooting in there, even though he's like not a top five player on this team. They're they're starting him just to get some shooting. Yeah, Josh Richardson's like average. He's whatever. Then they're starting like Al Horford. He's too. shooting. He, Josh Richardson is shooting thirty two percent from three. This oh, season. I didn't even know so, that. So so usually that's, that's I would have, I would have considered Josh Richardson to be an above average shooter, but this that season, is below average for yeah, the league. Yeah. Um. And, so that's not good. And also they've been starting Al Horford recently. It's gotten so bad to where because the the spacing with Al Horford he can only really shoot middies sometimes threes. The spacing has gotten so bad, and no one can really go off the dribble except for kind of Ben Simmons. Al Horford, 33%, which is yeah. still a below league average. Yeah, that, that's disappointing, too, to where it's gotten so bad that they're moving Al Horford to the bench, even though they just gave him a massive contract. Mm-hmm. Huge loss on the 76ers point. It's just, it's a little bit it's a little bit weird. <laughs> it's like, they're just holding on to Al Horford. They're just sort of stashing <laughs> him in their back pocket at this point to, like, if they play the Bucks, which is like if they play you gave the this man bu- a yeah. max just to like for the what if you know like if they play the Bucks so uh, <laughs> you give him a max for like the, the exactly. twenty five minutes per game he'll so, give you so he's for, a, sit, for a seven game series maybe like, like he's gonna sit on your on your like bench for eighty two games now just so that just for those like seven <laughs> just that seven game series and it might not even matter and by the way they might and by the way Ben Simmons might be just better at guarding Giannis too. Yeah, I, so I, I don't think that the Al Horford signing has worked out as well as they, as they expected, you know, or I, I don't think Elton Brand is particularly happy with the way that's worked out, yeah. but I think they're still, they still have hopes that if and when they make it to the Bucks series, that they, that, that could be the X factor. Um, 
But the question starts to arise, which is that if they do lose the first round to the Heat, something's got to change. Exactly. It's like, okay, well, you're not running this team back. Yeah. Like, so they, then like what this, changes? Because the argument is, do we have to trade either Ben Simmons mm. or Joel Embiid? And the ideology because Al Horford's that, not easy to move with this max. Yeah, exactly. They, Tobias and Harris, they don't, they don't have other Josh assets, Richardson. Really. Josh, uh, Tobias Harris is on a massive contract, too. Right? Yeah, like, so he's very hard to move. So the, the ideology behind it is Ben Simmons cannot shoot. Joel Embiid, he can kind of shoot, but he's still a center. Clogs the paint, just yeah, by nature. Clogs the paint, no spacing. They are, they are unable to play together. Yeah. And it should be acknowledged that Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons are not of this opinion. Joel Embiid came out and said something really nice, like, "Man, I've been predicting that they're that they've been trying to turn turn each other, turn us against each other, yeah. but they but they won't be able to do that." So there's speaking no speaking like, about the media. He said the media are going to drive yeah. drive them apart, but it's yeah. just not true. Yeah. So there's no animosity between them, but on court, it it does look very clunky. So mm-hmm. now there there's a there's he, a movement where it's like. Do we trade Ben Simmons and build around Joel Embiid, or do we trade Joel Embiid and build around Ben Simmons, or what? What do we do here? Because the thing that's arisen is that, regardless of how of what Joel Embiid says or what Joel Embiid feels, the numbers show that actually that the, the Sixers are best offensively in lineups that feature Ben Simmons but no Joel Embiid. Yeah, here we go for on NBA.com advanced stats. 122 points per 100 possessions, which is one of the best in the league. One of the best lineups. One of the best lineups in the league. They play, I don't know, like a decent amount of minutes together, and they've played 26 games together. You have Al Horford, Tobias Harris, Ben Simmons, Furkan Korkmaz, which is a good four, starting four as of today. But instead of Joel Embiid with the five, you have James Ennis, who's just like a normal wing who can kind of shoot and yeah. kind of rebound. So is that- J- they, do they trade? I think they might have traded James Ennis away even. Oh, at the trade. Deadline. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right I think right. they might have traded him to the yeah. Warriors, right? Yeah, but then again, they played twenty. They played twenty six with him. I think he got traded mm. to the Magic actually. Yeah, um, that sounds right. Okay. And so, just like that, that's a notable lineup. But they're, they're the point is, that's like you could insert anybody there yeah, as long as it's exactly. not Joel Embiid, exactly. as long as it's some exactly. three point shooting. Their second best lineup with a so now that would be Alec Burks, they're, right? They're, or Glenn yeah, Robinson. Their second best lineup with one hundred eighteen points per hundred possession, best offensively, because obviously Joel Embiid brings the defense is. Uh, that that same four plus Josh Richardson, so that's getting a little concerning. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, oh, where where do we find Joel Embiid here? And we have to go down to the fourth lineup, that like, to just to get. Keep in mind, we're going 122 points, 118 points per 100 possessions. Now we're at 105. <laughs> we're at 105. That that goes from a highly efficient offense yeah. to a barely efficient offense. Uh-huh. To a barely that's, effective that's the, first, that's the first one of these lines that features Joel Embiid. To a barely now, effective lineup. This is this is the sample size. You set the filter to like only the lineups that have been featured in twenty plus games, right? But out of those lineups, the first one that features Joel Embiid is at the fourth one down. Yeah, that's that's pretty scary. Which is just that like, I this basically shows that Joe, that Ben Simmons can run a highly efficient offense that even features Al Horford in. Josh Richardson, who we were just sort of tearing into a little bit for only being like a league average or below league average shooters, um, with when Joel Embiid isn't on the court, just when he has this, not that amount of spacing, and when when they're on the court together, their offense drops significantly. Mm-hmm. And, and so when looking at I these would, numbers I, we, alone, we don't see the numbers numbers here, but I would imagine that if Ben Simmons is off the court, Joel Embiid does play better, and his offense yeah, goes th- up. I'm gonna guess that's probably true as well. Um, 
obviously Joel Embiid still needs a point guard who's going to get him the ball, but honestly, Joel Embiid is probably better with like a league average point guard who shoots a league average from three than Ben Simmons, at least offensively. Like not, and I should say offensively in the half court. In, in that court. very specific situation, they are probably better off without each other. Defensively and in transition, they are totally fine. They are elite together. But just offensively in half court, which is what the playoffs is going to come down to. The playoffs, the pace slows down. There's not these free open court transition looks. That Defense Simmons is tough. Is, that is Ben Simmons' forte. Exactly. So like Ben Simmons at times in the playoffs when Joel Embiid is on the court is going to look like, what is he doing out there? He's, he's just going to float. And, the, and yeah, and so I think that that's going to happen again this playoffs for the second year in a row. They might lose in the first round, and if not the first round, probably the second round. And if by some you know like surprise chance they make it to the third round, then they're probably going to lose to the Bucks, who is the team that they've been built to beat. So the question that arises, is it time to, to trade Joel Embiid or trade Ben Simmons? I'm gonna guess that they don't. I don't. I don't think it's gonna happen this offseason. I think that they're gonna think that they've got too much talent to trade one of them away because Elton Brand so this far has done nothing but gather a lot of talent, not really thinking about how it's gonna work and just like running it. You know, just like yeah, it's like a 2K simulation where he trades for all the 90 overalls, <laughs> presses sim the whole season, and just like hopes it works out. But this is a two K. It's yeah. There's a lot more like chemistry and formula. Is it going to be than just like just space? What just like the numbers of like how good your players are? The they're ninety four you know? feet. I don't even know how wide it is, but it, so there's a certain amount of space. So the question is, is is coming, which is like, is Joel Embiid still the franchise player? Which uh, he's probably the most talented player on the team when healthy. I shouldn't say probably. He is the most talented player on the team when healthy, but. Is he the guy they build around? Is is it Ben Simmons? Is it both? Or, or, or you know, like it, is it both? Got, and you just like surround it, them just with shooters? Is it like, like it, you can't get yeah, rid of Al Horford? I, the, I would just say that this this season is the Sixers' last chance to do something very impressive to surprise the world and like surprise us specifically, the people who are criticizing them. And if they don't do that. This season is going to be a cross. This off season is going to be a crossroads where they have to make a decision. And if they don't make a decision this off season, then that's going to be the exact same thing next season, and they're going to get to another crossroads with even more attention and even more scrutiny and even more, uh, you know, sort of people picking apart like why haven't they done this move already, right? Um, and so it, all it's going to do by by not doing it this off season, I think, is prolong this like this this era of Sixers basketball. And only raise the stakes. And of also, next you're also, if they do end up trading one, but they wait like two years, mm-hmm. that means you're wasting two prime years of the guy that they keep, and arguably letting their value drop. I, I wouldn't argue that because they're they're young, but I I, but, but, I, I would but argue for Joel Embiid, he's injury prone. Joel Embiid could suffer a major injury at some point in the next two years that continues to tank his value. You know. Yeah, and I would argue that. Throughout their careers, Ben Simmons' value, I would argue, dropped a bit last season because people were a bit low on him. But I think his, it's back up this yeah, year. Yeah, exactly. I think his his value has skyrocketed again as he's showing he's a top five perimeter defender in the league. He should be All-NBA first team this year. Yeah, he should. Um, and Joel Embiid is probably going to be All-NBA first team or All-NBA second team as well. And that's why this team lets, lets up the fourth uh, least points per game in the league. Mm-hmm. But... Let's get down to the nitty-gritty. 
Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid, if you had to trade one, <laughs> and if you had to keep one, and we could keep in mind what the value you would receive for Joel Embiid. So yeah, so that that's what I was gonna say, which is like, <clears throat> hmm, I I think that Ben Simmons at this point to me is more proven by himself than Joel Embiid is. As in, we've seen more of Ben Simmons without Joel Embiid being successful than Joel Embiid without Ben Simmons being successful. Keep in mind, this is like, that. that's a controversial statement because you ask 100 NBA fans on the street, 100 will say that Joel Embiid is a better player. Maybe not all 100, but most of them, yes. If he's a top 12 player in the league, everyone would say that. I would argue. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, then Ben Simmons is like a top like twenty. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I I think that Ben Simmons has closed the gap a lot this year, in my opinion. N- not not closer than twelve and twenty necessarily, but yes. But uh, it's a really hard question, partially because I Clearly. I'd have to I'd have to like <laughs> sit down and like look at the trades. Is one thing. Is in like yeah. You obviously it's, it's, it's hard we, to judge without like hearing the phone calls that Elton Brand is going to get of like we'll give you blank 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 for Joel Embiid. Yes. We'll give you blank 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 for Ben Simmons. Okay. Um, I think part of it is that teams would probably be willing to give up more for Joel Embiid than they will for Ben Simmons. Although in, jo- Joel Embiid is two years older. Joel Embiid's twenty five. That's true Ben as Simmons well. is twenty three. I'll put it to you this way: if if the Knicks could magically get one of these two players, like just to start a franchise with. Who would you take? I think I'm going Ben Simmons. I think I'm going Ben Simmons too because he's younger and we suck, so he needs some yeah. time to get good. Exactly. It's like it's like who's going to run whereas, the offense, run the defense? I think Ben Simmons. Whereas if like, um, I don't know, just a mid to high tier Western Conference team or Eastern Conference team would trade, like who's good already right now? Mm-hmm. I, I think they would take Joel Embiid. Exactly. That's, because, that's what I was because thinking. Because you have to build a bit more around Ben Simmons. Exactly. Because he, Joel Embiid can fit naturally into more offenses. Not every yeah, offense. exactly. But more, more offenses. offenses. If you have Ben Simmons as your best or second best player, you need to tailor make exactly. your offense specifically so, around But But the reason I say it is like if you're on the Knicks, the Knicks have zip zero nada. So like other than like RJ Barrett maybe, Mitchell Robinson. But – my point is that you get a clean slate where you can just start a franchise, basically because the Knicks are, are ground ground yeah. level right now. We have probably the least hope of any NBA franchise. Um, <laughs> yeah, hurts to say, but yeah. um, but you have at least a clean slate to like where you can build your whole roster around Ben Simmons. Whereas the 76ers are in a weird spot where they can't just do that because they've got all this other talent that's also on the team that doesn't really work with him. Yeah. You know, so, but I think that if you trade Joel Embiid, you kind of get that chance to start anew with Ben Simmons. You know, yeah. So, uh, so where where do you end up? Assuming they have similar trade values. Assuming they have similar trade values, um, I, yeah, I think, I think I'm gonna say, I think I'm gonna say Ben Simmons. You would trade now, Ben Simmons? Or no, no, I think I keep Ben Simmons. Okay, wow. Uh, you're very <laughs> con- time, you're very conflicted. I'm very on conflicted this. on this. Yes, but. Uh, Considering I gave you a Ben Simmons shirt for yeah, your birthday, because, so you want to keep it. You want to keep the value of the, <laughs> of the Ben Simmons shirt high. That's that may be playing a part. Yes. Um, no. Uh, I, I think that I, the reason I'm so conflicted is I, as I, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Ben Simmons. I think that, that 
my 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 gut is telling me Ben Simmons. Okay. But at the same time, I just think that Joel Embiid is a better player at this moment. In your heart in, says in Ben Simmons, but your mind says Joel. <laughs> I get. I I don't know. Some part of me is is torn. You know. Yeah. Uh. For for me, I think it's also it it's tough for anyone who's trying to make a decision. Mm-hmm. I think I would build around Joel Embiid just because I think Ben. Ben Simmons is going to be a phenomenal player. I still do think Joel Embiid will be. He's guaranteed to be a top five, uh, a top ten player, when he's twenty seven, mm. assuming no injuries. Yeah, whereas, that's a, that's the big thing is assuming whereas no injuries. Ben Simmons, he definitely could get there, but it's not as guaranteed. So I it, also that, that's my case. I, call me crazy. I don't think Joel Embiid gets a lot better than he is today. Yeah, that's not crazy. <laughs> I, like, I, like, I think that Joel Embiid is already pretty maxed out. As in, like, like he's young, but I, I just don't, I don't see Joel Embiid taking another huge step forward. Whereas, I think that Ben Simmons could do that, where he will continue to improve defensively. And by the way, he's already one of the best perimeter defenders in the league. Like, yeah, like I, I agree. Like uh, Ben Simmons is more fun to watch. I like him as a player better. And also, and also, there's a lot of upside in just that. Like Ben Simmons. I don't. I don't want to say developing a jump shot because I don't think that Ben Simmons needs to shoot threes to be an elite NBA player. But if Joel, if Ben Simmons can get literally anything, as in just a mid-range shot from ten feet away from the basket, that will elevate his game to a whole other level. He's been taking those turnaround jumpers. Yeah. So, so I, I think that there's a little bit more upside in Ben in that, like you mentioned, two years younger, um, no injury history other than like that one that he missed a year for. Um, but but like basically since he's been in the NBA, uh, other actually, this back thing is a little bit concerning. I, I totally yeah. forgot that like right now he's missing yeah. games for his back thing. And when when you said Joel Embiid is injury prone, I was like, I mean, yeah, ben, it's not like like Ben Simmons missed his rookie year mm-hmm. with an yeah. injury. So. so I don't know. I, I'd have to I'd have to spend the next two weeks thinking about this to be confident <laughs> in the answer. But yeah, but, yeah. Okay. I think I think it's an interesting I, question. I think you lean towards keeping Ben Simmons a bit. Uh-huh. I lean towards keeping Joel Embiid a bit. That's It'll fair. be interesting to see what the 76ers do. And, and and no matter what, I'm not coming to blows with you over <laughs> over that like that question because I think that I don't think there is a wrong answer there. Yeah. Okay. But next topic, the Jazz suck. The Jazz are horrible. <laughs> <laughs> They're so bad. Like keep like for the senior for the season, they've been great. Just like constant jazz being like a four seed in our competitive West. But the past 10 games, oh my five God. Five and five. Five and five. I'm surprised. It feels like it's been worse than that because they've been losing to some questionable teams. It, like they beat, they beat the Rockets like three weeks ago or two weeks ago on like a buzzer beater. They're like, it, mm. it's like, it's just so ugly. And you even see it in the front office where we were talking about this before the episode. The Ringer reported before a, a, a Jazz game like three or four days ago that because Mike Conley uh, has been healthy and he's been playing, but he's been struggling, that all of a sudden the Jazz announced to the players that they are going to be swapping and putting Royce O'Neal in the lineup in exchange for Mike Conley and sending him to the bench. Mm-hmm. And then the Ringer reported two hours later, right before the game, that now Mike Conley's going back into the lineup and they're taking Joe Ingles out of the starting lineup. And that, to like kind of cover the, the Ringer's own backs, they were like, they told the players, and the players told us. So yeah. if that's true, then why are you telling your players? <laughs> I feel like I feel like in the NBA, they're all grown men, so like 
they don't really care who stars unless you're like Carmelo Anthony and like you care but mm. like I feel like most people wouldn't care but like if you keep changing your mind about it then it like it forces people to care yeah you know right it's like a point of discussion I, I'm not I haven't to be honest been watching a lot of jazz games or been following them that closely so when I say the jazz suck that is the title of our notes and, and I'm just sort of like taking your word for it a little bit but <laughs> this confusion of like who's starting this like drama in the locker room or whatever it is like at the end of the regular season is just sort of unacceptable for a team that is trying to compete in the Western Conference like they're an underdog for sure in this playoffs to really make it you know, even the Western Conference Finals, and it's too late to be dealing with problems like this. Like, I agree. The Lakers, the Bucks, the Clippers, like, like all these teams are in full stride, like ready to go, and they're like running strong in the playoffs, like, you know, like like full sprint speed. Whereas, like, it seems to me like the Jazz all of a sudden are like pumping the brakes. Yeah. It's like, and, and, like they're and losing momentum at the wrong time. It's very uncharacteristic of them too, because mm-hmm. usually, usually they slow down towards the beginning of the season and then they speed up in the second half. And that exactly. that just that hasn't really been the case. They did that. They kind of did that, that where they sped up, but now they're like trailing off a little bit again. Yeah. Um, and and just, so let's hope just, it's, let's hope it's just a hiccup. Just for but. context, in February they're five and six. Which is not what you want from a three seed or a mm. four seed. And meanwhile, like in January, they were eleven and four, and that was great. They, and and the reason this is also <laughs> a little bit weird is like they sign. It's it's a complicated situation because we know that Mike Conley in the past has been a close to All Star caliber player. The fact that Mike Conley hasn't been an All Star in his career is quite surprising. Um, and, and so when the, when they signed Mike Conley, that was pretty exciting it was like okay that that could really take the jazz to the next level offensively but he spent most of this year either injured or being a general disappointment on offense um just inefficient not passing the ball that well like turning it over a lot not putting many points up on the board you know just like kind of not doing anything particularly well um not to the standard that we expect from mike conley whereas the lineups that feature Joe Ingles, and especially the Joe Ingles Rodrigo Bear pick and roll, have been some of the best in the league. And so Joe Ingles or Bogdanovich? Uh, I think that the Joe Ingles really? Rodrigo Bear pick and roll is is statistic. I I don't honestly that's not that surprising. It, it's it's like for some reason is like one of the best in the league. Yeah. Um, also, like breaking it down, just this talking about like where they fall short. And what their strengths are, and like especially like looking towards the playoffs, like where what is their like go to lineup? They've been starting Mike Conley when he's been healthy because they trade for him this off season, and he has this huge contract, and they gave up assets for him, and he's traditionally been like a fringe like top ten like point guard, like yeah. very, very reliable, very efficient, very like standout stand up player in the league. Everyone respects him, and he's been abysmal. Yeah, he's he's been horrible for yeah. them. You he, put it a lot more harshly than I did, but yeah, yeah. He he can't he can't catch and shoot. He can't create his own shot. He's been turning the ball over. He has he's been slowing down the offense. He, he even even his pick and roll like last year, mm-hmm. Mike Conley, Marcus All pick and roll was really good for the first half of last season. This year, horrible. I, I, statistically, I've... visually, it's bad. <laughs> This this manifests in the advanced stats, and just when you see it on the court, for example, the Bucks' best offensive lineup, which is the fourth best offensive lineup in the league, and if you just take into account like like sample size, it's the second 
the second best if you eliminate the other two. Bogdanovich, Rudy Gobert, Joe Ingles, Donovan Mitchell. The starting five. <coughs> Sorry. The starting five. Then you sub in Mike Conley with Royce O'Neal. Second best offensive lineup in the league. Keep in mind, the Jazz are also phenomenal, and, <coughs> and Royce O'Neal is arguably a better defender than Mike Conley. So it's not like it's not like they're yeah. you're trading offense for defense there. Mm-hmm. The Jazz are going to be good offensive either way because they have a bunch of good defenders. Rudy Gobert is amazing. Plus, Royce O'Neal's probably I would argue their best perimeter defender because my, my Conley's defense. Mm. <coughs> sorry, my Conley's defense has declined. So I would argue that uh, there, there's a. I, I'm not sure <coughs> where I their go to lineup. I'm not sure where I heard this, but there's there's uh. There's sort of an argument floating out, floating around now out there, which is that Mike Conley kind of only was this good at, on the on the Grizzlies because he was he had, he had mastered his connection with Marcus All. Where they played together for you know ten years or whatever it was, to the point where they were just like they were so in tune with each other that they made each other a lot better. To where like Marcus All on the on the Raptors last year offensively was, eh, defensively was like the same Marcus All. Just old, <laughs> and Mike Conley now is like nowhere near what he was. And yeah, that might be just because he's a little bit old, but it might also be because he doesn't have that chemistry with anybody on this on this team. He doesn't have that same connection that he had with Mike Conley with Rudy Gobert, for example. Um, yeah, I mean, but whatever it is, Mike Conley has not been a success for the Jazz whatsoever. And looking forward to the playoffs, I personally, I do think, I do think. That they should bench Mike Conley in favor uh, of Royce I th- O'Neal. I think I agree. And Joe, I think that Royce O'Neal and Joe Ingles should both be starting. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that uh, honestly, I, I think Royce O'Neal is even the more valuable starter because, like, even if you go down the list, the the Jazz offense has been so good that, like, even like the like the tenth best lineup in the league does have Mike Conley in it. It just also has Bogdanovich, Gobert, Royce O'Neal, and Donovan Mitchell. Mm. So I think that Royce O'Neal is like a very valuable three and D guy. You're calling him the X Factor. Yeah, and yeah. He, he got paid like one. He got mm. underpaid like one, and people were saying that he's overpaid. That's that's ridiculous. Yeah, he's Ro- been awesome for them this year. And honestly, he's gonna he's gonna be the guy guarding James Harden. When I haven't watched any Jazz games this year, but I watched one a couple weeks ago. Very big Royce O'Neal, and, and, I, and it was like he was stand out to me. I, 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 that was like the thing I remember most from that game. Was I was like, like whoa, like Royce O'Neal is like killing this. He's that man. He was, like, he was like the most impactful guy on the court for parts of the game. Shout out Royce. Um, all right, the last thing that we'll hit on for this episode is: Is Jason Tatum really this good? Jason Tatum's last ten games have been ridiculous. <laughs> Incredible. Um, to the point Phenomenal. where he's averaging like 31 points per game, up from 23 points per game in the last you know 10 games. Um, and all this is without Kemba because he's out with injuries. Yeah. It, it's, and It's phenomenal. Just I'll, I'll read off his stat line from the last 10 games without Kemba Walker. In 34 and a half minutes per game, he's playing a lot. You have 31 points per game, 50 almost 53% from the field. Almost or fifty percent from three on nine attempts a game, like like <laughs> like often the attempts per game get lost. Like nine attempts, that's like fifty percent on nine attempts. That's like all. That's like Steph Curry. That it's literally Steph Curry, mm. and then he he's shooting seven free throws a game, which is good. I would like him to get that up a little bit more, and he's shooting efficient from the line. 
Rebounds good. Assists could be better, but that's whatever. He's only averaging three assists, eight rebounds. Yeah, but I also think that it's like <laughs> when he touches the ball, generally his job, at least in this 10-game stretch, is put the ball in the basket. Yeah. And he's doing that with yeah. the best of them. Yeah. And so, yeah, the question is how good can Jason Tatum be? He's getting a lot of hype, and understandably so. I've always been like on the in, in the party of Jason Tatum is overrated. Not not mm. because like I don't like Jason mm. Tatum. I I like Jason Tatum. I just think that he's like he's only nineteen. Yeah, this th- that was like, ridiculous. That hand. was ridiculous. Um, like, uh, and so I, I so I agree with you that that we're even this. I think that that Celtics fans, Celtics fans in general, tend to like. I I remember I I played baseball when I was younger with a guy who was just like like I guess his dad was from Boston or something like that, and it was. He was talking about every Boston sports team, and he like we were on this bus ride to practice or whatever, and he gave reasons for why basically every Boston sports team was like going to win the championship that year. It was like the Celtics, the Bruins, and this was like the Celtics, like like when they had like Isaiah Thomas on the team, yeah. and so he wasn't totally wrong. They were a good team, but they didn't win the championship. But Celtics fans, I think, have a tendency to overhype how good they are. Yeah, and, and and so I think that like this Boston general, <laughs> yeah, so and, and, and a part of it is just that they love their teams, they love their sports, and so like respect to them for that. You got to stick with your guys. But if there's anybody who's going to overreact to how good one guy is, it's probably Celtics fans. Yeah. And so of course, after this ten game stretch of Jason Tatum averaging thirty one points per game, all of a sudden he's in conversation with like. The, like the best in the league of like <laughs> yeah like who would you rather have Jason Tatum or Luka Doncic <laughs> exactly exactly it's like like all of a sudden out of nowhere like it's like who would you rather have? no I would rather have Luka Doncic exactly <laughs> it was like the he's the best asset in the ES- league ESPN like. did like a who would you you know which player under twenty one would you want to have someone pick Zion someone pick Luka and someone pick Jason Tatum someone pick Jason Tatum I think like Stephen A picked yeah. Jason Tatum um so all of a sudden out of nowhere there's all this Jason Tatum like is the greatest of all time. You know, like, Jason Tatum is going to be the next, like, godsend for the Celtics. Uh, and, and so, in some ways, I get it. Like, you gotta hype up your guys, especially if you're a Celtics fan. But at the same time, I also think, like, chill out a little bit. He's not gonna stay averaging 31 points per game, I don't think. Yeah, um, at least not now. But yeah, but the question is, like... Uh, the, the question I asked you before this episode was... In three years, are we going to be looking at Jason Tatum as like a top ten player in the league, as like a top five scorer in the league, or is he going to be like an all star, right? Because he could fall yeah. back down to earth and like continue the same trajectory that he was on at the beginning of the season, which is like he's a solid twenty five point per game guy in in three years and like and a and like a very solid perimeter defender, or he could be like an offensive superstar and like pretty elite perimeter defender if he does what he's doing right now. From from what you're talking about, I think you're asking, is he going to be like I, I don't want to say Jimmy Butler as his floor, because Jimmy Butler's good. But like you understand like mm. like a, like the fifteenth best player in the league or something I don't, like that. I don't like, think his like, I don't think his defensive floor is Jimmy yeah, Butler. I know, I mean, but like like yeah. the Jimmy Butler caliber player like a like a pretty good all star. Well, okay, yeah. Or or is he gonna be Paul George? Because that that's mm. what I see it as Paul, Paul George, George from last season? Yeah, Paul George from last season. Not that Paul George's season isn't great, but he's yeah. been injured. Is is he going to be Paul George from last season with a bit less defense, like not a defense player of the year, but I, like that's he, a, that's a very good way to put it. Yeah, yeah. and also I, th- I think their plays their play styles are very comparable. They they mm-hmm. can shoot off their dribble, they can shoot three, they can score at every level. And I think Jason Tatum, like his finishing ability, I think has been a little shaky, and, especially and, and towards the beginning of the year. Can Jason Tatum be the best player in a championship team? 
Right now, no. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> I, like, or, honestly, actually, with the way that he's playing these last 10 games, because that is right now, maybe. Can't, could he, for, could, would, would I have said yes to that before this 10-game stretch? No, absolutely not. Would I now? Like, potentially. I, I just, I am very hesitant to say that he will keep up this level of production even, like, a week from now. Like I like I think that he's gonna like, like yeah. But I mean, of course, but just the impression that he made on me, it was just it was so impressive the way that the Lakers literally had to double him when he crossed half court. The Lakers, who are the mm. best defensive team in the league, and just have a bunch of vets that aren't mm. like phased by anything. And Jason Tatum <laughs> is absolutely destroying Anthony <laughs> Davis on the wing. He's they they literally they had to switch the matchup halfway through the game. Anthony Davis had the Jason Tatum assignment. That That's got so that awesome. got switched. Cal so Kuzma awesome. tried to guard him for two possessions. Rondo cut him off so much. Dude, Rondo's like <laughs> speaking no. of Kyle Kuzma. Last year the conversation was like Kyle Kuzma or Jason Tatum. Now it's like <laughs> Luca or Jason Tatum. <laughs> How times have changed. Yeah, <laughs> it's not it. Um, Luca Luca like, does not equal. Uh, Kyle Kuzma. Yeah. But it, just overall, just tell me where you see Jason Tatum in three years. I think that I see him in terms of that Jimmy Butler to Paul George comparison. I'll say that that a prime Jason Tatum is going to fall somewhere in between. Um, I would say, like, I, mean, I actually think that the Jimmy Butler to Paul George range is not super wide i think they're like they're not paul george paul george is clearly last year was an mvp candidate and in in this year's jimmy butler is like arguably an all-star starter so i think that that range is is a pretty good estimate for where jason tatum will be in his prime like a bradley beal kind of thing or is he i don't i i think he could pass bradley beal but only because at least because of team success as in Bradley Beal doesn't get that much attention because he's playing on a Washington Wizards team that is hot garbage. And the in the last ten games, the Celtics are are eight and two. Exactly. And so I think in terms of team success and te- like like Bradley Beal wasn't even an All Star this year for no fault of his own, but I think that he's going to get a lot more recognition than Bradley Beal because he has already. As in like everything that Jason Tatum does is like get super hyped up. Um, will he be an MVP candidate? I don't I don't think so. I don't see I don't think I see him as like a top three MVP candidate like Paul George was last year. Could I see him as a top five? Like an all-NBA first-team guy? Like, maybe, but I don't I don't know. I, don't, I, think that, I don't think he's all-NBA first-team, maybe second or third. Honestly, I, I think he will live and breathe on the all-NBA third team. <laughs> mm. Like, All right. And may, maybe second. Maybe what, like, does Jimmy, is Jimmy Butler all-NBA third team this year? Yeah, maybe. Second? Yeah, yeah, yeah probably third, yeah. Yeah, but just okay. overall... From what I see, Jason Tatum, he can score on all three levels. Great shooter in the mid-range, even though he's taking them less, which is a good thing, Jason. Mm-hmm. Stop. Um, I mean, there's no reason he shouldn't be <laughs> shooting nine threes a game if he's going to hit them at 50%. Yeah. <laughs> which he's not. But, like, just overall, he can score at all three levels. He The, the biggest thing with this run is he's been creating his own shot, mm. which is the biggest thing, and which is what you need from a superstar. And he's been finishing better at the rim. He's He's been drawing fouls. He's been fearless, honestly, which is the most impressive thing. His it, confidence is 
way up. And I think that's what's making people feel like he's a superstar. Just yeah. the the confidence and the give me the ball, I'm getting two or three points right now. That that's mm-hmm. something special that is unique in the league. So which so screams top ten player. Did Kyrie Irving hurt his confidence? I didn't even think of relating it to Kyrie. Did or, and does, and by the way, does Kemba hurt his confidence? Because I don't know if you know who B Kemp, Souls Kemp, is on YouTube. Uh, yeah, it he is. made a video yesterday about it was, it was called like the truth about Kyrie Irving, and it was saying that Kyrie Irving gets all this talk about like teams are better without Kyrie Irving, and now nobody has said anything when Kemba goes out for ten games, and all of a sudden Jason Tatum is having uh, arguably yeah. the best ten game stretch of his career. No, um, I, I don't think that Kemba Walker is hurting his confidence just because Kemba Walker walked into the Celtics locker room and was like, teach me what the playoffs are yeah. like. Yeah. Just because he's like, like in interviews when it's like, hey, Kemba, how how is that Lakers game? It felt like a playoff atmosphere, right? And he's like, I wouldn't know much about that. <laughs> <laughs> he, said, he said that. He's like, like that. just laughing. So I, no, I, I don't think... So, you, so you, to me, the question remains... How do you keep this level of Jason Tatum confidence up? His his efficiency, his scoring numbers probably aren't going to stay where like, they're at right how now. How do you catch that lightning in the bottle? Exactly. And keep, and keep exactly. It. How do you keep his mindset the same even when the basket isn't looking ten feet wide? I just think he's twenty one. Mm-hmm. You don't think by twenty four he'll have that? Mm. That's like that's a good answer. That's a, that's a thousand days from now. That's a good answer. That's a thousand days from now. <laughs> you don't think he's gonna be in the gym all the time perfecting his craft? That's a good answer. I, all right, <laughs> all right. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Space Floor NBA Podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. We're gonna be using that next week for the episode at Space the Floor Podcast for Instagram and at Space the Floor for Twitter. Uh, if you're on YouTube, like and subscribe. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leave a review. Make sure to subscribe to us. And thank you so much. My name is Connor Gielen. And I'm Connor Flannery. And see you next time. Peace. Shout out to Luca and Kyrie for the bobbleheads. <laughs>